Welcome to the Colors of the Dark podcast feed. I am your co-host, Alric Kane. As we discussed in our last episode a couple weeks ago, we will be taking a few weeks hiatus as we're both uh, chasing down creative endeavors. And so we wanted to keep some entertainment flowing uh, in this feed while we're gone. So every couple weeks, we are going to release an older, but starting with more recent, uh, Patreon episodes of our show Deep Cuts. Uh, Deep Cuts, as we like to say, is where the weird stuff goes, uh, while Colors of the Dark focuses more on the new releases uh, and kind of deep dive topics. Uh, there are no rules to our Deep Cuts show. It is where we go to discuss uh, what we're eating for dinner that day and what four uh, movies of obscurity that we have uh, indulged in. It's like where we like to hunt for things we haven't seen yet for the most part. They tend to be uh, difficult to find rarities and sometimes just uh, interesting movies we haven't seen. Uh, so this is a place we really enjoy doing this show, and I'd say if you enjoy these uh, free ones that we're going to be putting on the feed every two weeks, I would highly recommend you go join our Patreon uh, Deep Cuts uh, because we will continue to do that during this hiatus. We're going to do our best. We might have to do a couple solo ones, but we are going to try to keep that feed moving. So we hope you enjoy this and stick around and think about coming over and joining our Patreon. <laughs> Welcome to Deep Cuts. We are coming at you on a bright and sunny Friday morning in Los Angeles. This is weird. We never tape in the morning. No, I'm not drunk and not 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 losing my mind or stra- tired or stressed out. You know. Yeah, I'm not exhausted and yelling at the kids to turn down Teen Titans Go. I don't know how to deal with this. Like, yeah, this is too, drinking, too passive. Yeah, I'm drinking a tea. It's lovely outside. I just worked out and I don't know how to do it. You All right, just we need a ticking clock. We need a ticking clock. Let's come up with something. Um, oh, that's right. You have a, um, your version of Zencaster has a limited time function oh. of 35 minutes, remember? <laughs> Otherwise, you have to get the upgrade. So let's do this. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been an interesting week. I, I am going to, like, just told you off air, I'm about to blow your mind. Because I never do this, but somehow I've got a theme to my episode because I watched two films that were like high on my to watch list and they were connected. So I was like, ooh, then I'm going to go look for a third to fulfill it. And my, I'll, do you want to know my theme? It's incest, isn't it? it fuck. Okay. <laughs> but yes, anyway, Amityville 2 uh, is actually <laughs> really quite hot if you look at it from the right angle. Um <laughs> Well, I'm glad no, that that's your go-to just, for me. It's incest. No, I'm like, <laughs> I was just saying that because um, I have I have one. Um, actually, you're, I, actually, one of them does have incesty vibe. I, I watched a Euro Trash that uh, like, and I literally just watched it, so it had incesty vibes. And so know, I was most like, Euro Trash does seem to have incesty right? vibes. Like, <laughs> so. it, it clearly had a big influence on American pornography. <laughs> European <laughs> trash cinema influenced what porn would become. So there you um, go. Um, but no, mine are um, all hotel horrors oh and and a couple very deep cuts like like very out there deep cuts so it should be fun i don't think i've seen a lot of hotel horrors that's definitely a fun place to start oh yeah i definitely have like when i looked at the list afterwards of like one lists online i was like okay there are actually a lot of horror films that have taken place somewhat in a hotel but anyway i've got i've got a couple that i uh i loved and then the last one was interesting you know yeah i can think of uh, there was the one with God. It had a Busey in it. It was it was actually a really cool setup where it was the people gathered at the deserted hotel and then they started dying. But it kept flashing to um, guy with twitchy eyes. I wish I could remember. You his know, name. Ho- Hotel Busey uh. is a pretty good movie. It's, it's twitchy, <laughs> twitchy eye guy. I know who the twitch is. He the big guy from um, vacant. No, that's not vacancy. Vacancy is a different hotel. Is movie. the twitchy guy you're talking about the big guy from um, the movie Pruitt. by the loved ones guy? Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. he's in the sequel that next film, the loved ones director oh, yeah. made. Um, which was with the heavy metal painter. I loved that movie. I'm trying to remember that now I'm going to have to Google Jake Busey. Um, Look up Busey Hotel. It's it's what it should be. No, I remember really liking the first half of whatever this movie, it was a hotel movie about a deserted hotel. And I remember really liking the first half much in kind of a phantom's way. And then as soon as the second half rolled around, I was like, oh. I, me- I do remember its tagline was, it was you can check in, identity. but you want to out. Okay. Oh, identity. That's a motel film. That's, that's a motel film. But yes, that's a, uh, a, a very, yes. No, that was of all the movies I've seen in my life. That was the only one where halfway through it, 
I just had this feeling because I was really into it in the theater. And I was like, if I walk out right now and I go home and I write the rest of this movie, I just have a feeling it's going to be better than if I stay because it was such an intriguing thing. And then the second, like the last act of that really to me was a little disappointing, but I, I should rewatch it. That's why it. I compared it to Phantoms was yeah. I too remember seeing this. I think I was still in grad school at the time. Um, Cause I remember watching it in Blacksburg where I went to grad school and I Blacksburg, Virginia. I remember seeing the first half and being like, this is the coolest setup. Such a good ever. setup. Yeah. Really. I have no idea what's going on. And it started like, literally, I remember at first it's kind of a slasher setup, but then it got starts getting surreal where things just can't make logical sense. Yeah. And then it just like all starts going into the mind thing. And I I, I kind of maybe need to maybe we both need to do a rewatch because it might be it might be a second viewing. It might hold up. But I remember it had Cusack and a lot of good people. It was a good it was a good movie. Um, It had it had some goodness to it. So so that's a motel. I'm I'm sticking with hotels. There is a huge difference in my mind. Um, Motel horror would be another subsection though that we could do Uh, a lot of good motel moves. Uh, (laughs) I still remember when you were driving, I think you were driving back from your, your family in San Francisco and Uh your car broke down and for like five days in a row, you posted pictures from this like roadside motel and you were like, I'm the king of the motel. Yeah, it was was really weird. And it was like, um, it was a bad break to something in like the brake line or something. So all this Mm -hmm. fluid was coming out and my mom was with me. That was the thing. My mom had been visiting too from New Zealand. So we're all staying in this. It was very strange. Um, but, but you do start to, it's creatively quite, I like motels personally, creatively. I love like the, I happily move into a motel to write. Um, but it's just like, like, I think you just, (laughs) I don't know. I find it like an inspiring, weird location more than hotels. Hotels are too nice. Motels are, motels have stories, I think. Um, anyway, wow, that was the episode, guys. We didn't get and to our title. The story is called a staff infection, and there we go. <laughs> I don't even know what is the staff. I've heard of a staff. I, I said that because I literally got a staff infection uh-huh. from a, from a motel. Oh, wow. I still okay. swear. I had um, this is when I was first moving out to LA. Uh-huh. I drove cross country um, with Jack Bennett and Dave. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, we were we were motel sixing it and like red roof inning it the entire way. And I had cut myself shaving like the night before we left. And the very first night I, we stayed in what I can just call the most disgusting place in the world. Like I remember just being like disgusted by the sheets, disgusted by everything. And then like 12 hours later, this like place where I had just literally nicked myself was like huge and red. And then I ended up going to an urgent care a day later, still on the road. And it was a staph infection. Oh, wow. Interesting. And I had, it was like, you know, 12 hours on antibiotics and it was completely um, looked normal again. But I still am like, got it from that fucking Motel 6 and no, I did. So, yeah. This is I've what never... people come to the Patreon I know, for. right? It's I've like never had anything like that bites, in my life. But... Weird staff infections. Staff infections, y'all. One day we'll do a bed bug episode <laughs> if we get catch it. I've um, never had one again in my life, so I'm still blaming the Motel 6. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. Well, yeah, no, those places <laughs> are probably just not cleaned as well as, you know, hotels or not. Yeah. All right. But um, then again, motels. Let's dive yeah, in. Motel. Oh, hotels. Okay. I'll do Host- my, my first one is my favorite, like one of my favorite things of the year. Um, This is uh purely thanks. I got this one would not even have been. I wouldn't have even heard this title if I hadn't seen a post by Brad Henderson posting. Occasionally, he'll just post on Twitter weird movies he's seen. And he really liked this one. So I, I went hunting from Estonia. So I think it's the only science fiction movie uh, from Estonia. Uh, this is called Dead Mountaineers Hotel uh, by Grigory Kromanov from 1979. I have never heard of this. No, no, I've never heard the title. And even the images looked very like, I was like, what is that? So I, I went hunting. Um, and what's so cool. So this is, I would call this esoteric noir science fiction. And I would say it's between like Solaris and Liquid Sky. But Ooh. so if you take those two style wise, because like, and then you mix it with a film noir murder mystery in a hotel. So it's definitely a noir first. It looks like a noir. It looks like a murder mystery in a hotel, but it's got this kind of the vibes of one of a weird science fiction. And it comes to, it turns out when I started reading up on it, even though it's Estonia, it's written by the Strugatsky brothers who are best known for writing Tarkovsky's Stalker which makes total sense why that this film has this vibe. Sense. So it has this like very like modern, you know, vibe of, of but weird sci-fi. But anyway, this is super fucking cool. Like, so this is a cop. Uh, it opens with a cop driving into the middle of nowhere, snowy mountains, Estonia, like isolated beyond anything else. And he's got a voiceover going, no one would ever believe my story of what I came to find. He drives to this ski resort, um, which is 
very lonely. It's not near anything. And he gets there and he goes inside and goes, I got a call that something had happened here. And the guy and the, and there's this giant photo of a man's face on the wall. And he goes, who's that guy? And they go, he's the dead mountaineer. <laughs> it's like, that's where the title of the movie comes in. That's clearly, that's the only reference to a dead mountaineer. And, and so the guy who works at the place goes, well, nothing's happened here. I don't know why you would have gotten this call. And he's like, huh, okay, well, it's too late now to get back. So I guess I'll stay the night. And that night there is a uh, avalanche and it, it basically means they're all going to be stuck there together. And there's a there's about maybe eight or so very murder mystery set up, eight different, very odd, very strange characters staying in this place. One guy wearing a giant fur coat who's like sweating and he's like, you know, on like sunbathing in the snow, like wearing a giant fur coat, like really interesting, weirdo characters with that kind of sci-fi soundtrack that you would see in like old Russian movies and stuff, like mm-hmm. just really cool. And he starts to kind of he starts going there's something weird he finds a note being left for him like saying i am the one who called you and you must figure this out like so it's very noiry he's pulled into this thing and then people start being knocked off and and killed and some of the lighting cues and i have two movies like that some of the lighting cues are definitely borrowing from suspiria there's there's moments where they go all in on like the expressionist blue red lighting and stuff which is mm-hmm. super interesting in the hotel but it's pure noir like he's a pure detective but he's a russian or estonian rather uh detective character and he's really he's really interesting like you're really like enthralled in uh, in this character so he starts trying to figure it out and here here gets the fun part and this isn't going to be i don't think this is giving much away uh as he starts trying to piece this together at about like i don't know halfway point there somebody's like but those three people are aliens and so suddenly this movie goes what and that's why i said liquid sky it gets a very weird there's these weird characters you're like are they actually aliens who have been stuck here in this film noir or are they something else and that's where the movie goes and it and it's like is he going to help these people or is he going to try to bring them just it's it's a really weird pure stylish oddball you know movie but it's definitely one of my favorite things i've seen this year where you're just like okay i didn't know this existed and now that i do i will you know have to wait till somebody puts out a nice version of this um because and it's called the dead mountaineer dead mountaineers hotel so so you know it really rings off the tongue <laughs> um, but but it's really interesting. So for people who like Solaris, Stalker, uh, Liquid Sky, all those kind of weird movies, but also things like Laura and like Murder Mystery, it has elements of that too. And it's just very stylish and very, um, I, I love esoteric noir, like esoteric mm-hmm. sci-fi too, like things that are just kind of abstract um, when, when they deal with that stuff. And, and it's got a couple of big moments towards the end. So I'm not giving everything away. It's, 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 it's fun. And so I, you know, and with Brad's the person putting this, uh, tweeting this out, you never know. Maybe it means it's on the vinegar syndrome shortlist or something at some that point. That would be amazing. Yeah, but, um, but you, I believe, will be able to see this movie. <laughs> I I'll, would I'll love make sure you can see this. Some- if you could send, I, I want to see this movie. I, I need this to double check. Epic. It might be on YouTube or something, but um, you never know. But anyway, so that's my first, that's what set me on my hotel path for this episode. Well, for my first one, I'm not going to go hotel. I'm going prison, which, oh, you know, if we're talking motel, it's yeah. it's not that far off. Um, actually, in this case, it is. So okay. I'm going um, 2002 French film Malefique oh, that okay. I had never I seen before. Yeah, this is one um, that I had been wanting to see for a long time. I'd read a lot of stuff about it and I'd kind of casually seen about it. But this got no hype when it came out in 2002 stateside. And it was really hard to find, like the DVD copies of it were now going for a ton um, on Amazon. So I was able to track down a digital version of it. Um, And so French film, the whole setup is that it's four prisoners in a cell for almost the entire movie. It is four prisoners in a cell. And they're all kind of different walks of life, but they've all been kind of put in this cell together. Um, our kind of protagonist that we follow through is this guy named Kire. Um, and he is there for, he's the newest. It kind of follows him into prison as he gets placed in the cell. And he's there for like a white collar financial crime. You don't really know the details, but it's some type of embezzlement. And then the other people in there, I'm sorry, he, uh, yeah, that's Kire. LaSalle, and I'm probably saying these terribly wrong, um, but LaSalle is, um, he's the oldest member there. He's an older gentleman. He's a writer and was a librarian. You get the idea that he's kind of really well educated, but he's been there a really long time, that he had killed somebody a long time ago. Marcus is a trans character. You never really find out why Marcus is there, but um, definitely they are the most violent of all of them there to a degree, but at times not because they act kind of mothering and really caring for the fourth character who is named uh, Paquette. And Paquette is almost childlike, but also a cannibal. 
Um, and so Marcus, though rather abusive to the other two, is very mothering and caring for Paquette because Paquette really can't speak, is nonverbal, um, and is just this very kind of childlike cannibal. And so for the first part of the movie, it really is kind of a prison horror where it's this gentleman who clearly had this kind of upper, not upper crusty, but well taken care of lifestyle. Now put into the scenario, you're seeing roaches, you're seeing rats, you're seeing the horrible food, you're seeing the abuse that the prisoners kind of dole out on each other, how weird it is, how they pass the time during the day. And then one night while he's sleeping, he rolls over and this this loose brick comes out of the wall and he finds this book behind it, this really old book that's clearly like a hundred years old. And he and the older gentleman start reading it and they realize that it is a diary from a prisoner who was put in that same cell in the 1920s. And it's not just a diary, it is a black magic spell book that apparently this prior prisoner was using to get out of prison. They find a spell in it that allows you to walk through walls. And the last entry in it is the prisoner from the 1920s saying, okay, I'm going to do this tomorrow night. I've tried it. It works tomorrow night. I am out of here. I'm testing. I'm, I'm done. This I'm going to do this big spell tomorrow night. And so since that is the last chapter in it, they assume that that means that he got out. Hmm. And it goes from there with them starting to practice the black magic spells and play around with the book, seeing if it actually does work. And then can they use it to escape from prison? And this was guttural, visceral, brutal. It gets really surreal at the end. Um, Our cold open is in the 1920s where we see the prior prisoner. And then um, we get glimpses of it throughout, largely through the history that they're uncovering in the book. So we're slowly getting the story of what happened to the dude in 1920 and why he was there. This was a really well done movie, especially considering like I I was over 75% of the movie way through the movie before I was like, hey, we haven't left this cell. Like literally it's one of those films where it is four characters almost the entire time. You see like his wife at the beginning as he's getting put in prison, but that's basically it. You see the guard through a little like slider window. Um, But otherwise it's these four people in one location. And I wasn't even paying attention to that because it was so cleverly crafted. So I really enjoyed this one. This director um, right after this got, I assume from this movie, got the American version of One Missed Call, which uh, was okay. I thought you were um, going to say he got a staff infection from doing this. <laughs> <because it's laughs> Probably from the prison cell. There was so many staff gross. infections right, going on in there. No, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant prison. By I never saw stretch. the remake of One Missed Call, and I don't even know if I – It's even the Mike one, I feel like maybe I never saw it. I just knew about it. And you feel, some movies – the concept is so clear. You feel like mm-hmm. you saw it. <laughs> I loved the Mike one. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't know if I ever saw the American one, but he did it. It okay. was kind of his big, you know, yeah. crossover to America, and he's still directing stuff, but now back in France for the most okay. part. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this, and I I knew basically nothing about it going in, but this was a really good one, and I'm shocked that it's so kind of under known and yeah. and hard to find. Yeah, I feel so, like I've seen the title, but I have definitely mm-hmm. didn't know anything about it. And the cover, I got to say, the cover art is very underwhelming. It's just the cinder block wall of the prison with like a light source in the middle mm. um, and some some weird like black magic writing around it. Like it's a very underwhelming cover art. So that might be it as well, which is crazy because there is so much like weird visceral stuff in this hmm. movie. Okay. And so I can't believe that that's what they picked for the cover art. But yeah, so this is Malefique from 2002. Definitely recommend this one. It was really good. I like prison movies too. Um, mm-hmm. So my next hotel movie was actually one that's been like, I have a list on Letterboxd private list where it's like my to watch for our show, the show. And this has been at the top of it for like two years. So this was like the one I've been wanting to see the most. Uh, this is, there's a good reason because it's by the director. He only directed like, two or three feature uh, f- fiction films uh, of the perfume of the lady in black, which uh, I love. Yeah. Which was my favorite, like for new to me from last year, I believe. Um, and <clears throat> so his name is Francisco Barilli. He's still alive and he's still, he's making mostly documentaries and stuff now, but so he made another film right after I believe hotel uh, lady in black called hotel fear, um, which I'd always heard was, equally good and it's almost as good it's it's it's, i think i perfume of lady in black just gets under my skin a little more but it's very Mm -hmm. similar in some ways so this is a like giallo and quote marks because it's got a couple moments but really it's that unclassifiable italian 
horror film that you know jello is the only word people really have to describe but it's um set in set in during world war ii which is why it's a little different so during world war ii there's this um old rundown hotel run by a mother and her like 17 year old daughter mm-hmm. and uh they have a, a, few, a handful of guests there's bombings happening in the background obviously it's italy's place in the war is you know very it's very in between is it going to fall is it not are the allies coming all that kind of stuff so that's the background uh she is all the people staying at the hotel are super lecherous and there's lots of gropey and like grotesque male characters. So every time the young girl walks by, they're all trying to get to her, but she's very, very innocent and very good, pure. And the mom's trying to like, you know, defending her. And she's like, you know, your dad's at war when he comes back. It's all about the dad being away. Right. And the mm-hmm. girl is obsessed by her father. So when you said incest, I was like, Oh, there's a little bit of that vibe here. Like she's obsessed by him and keeps telling people he's going to come and kill you when he comes back for the way you treat us. Anyway, they're trying to keep they their goal is to keep this old hotel running um, to get through the war until he's back. And very early on, you meet all these kind of random characters around the hotel. You also learn that the mom's lover, she had a secret lover who also was in the war, but is hiding in their basement. And he's got like a little room where he's hiding the war out because he did something wrong in the war. And we don't know what it is. Played by Francisco Rabal from all of Benuel's films and D- Dagon and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so which is interesting. He's the only guy I recognized in the cast. But anyway, so very, within about the first 15 minutes, the mother falls to her death down the stairs, probably strangled. We don't know who killed her. And suddenly all of this falls on this young girl. So now this 17 year old and you've seen it kind of sets up a powder keg of all these lecherous people that are only being held at bay because of the mother threatening to kick them out. And now suddenly the 17 year old girl has to keep the hotel going, fend off these kind of perverts. And also, and she's got this weird obsession with her father coming back and there's like, there's a young romance and, and it gets, it gets pretty vile. There's a couple scenes that like one that sexually is just utterly out there. Like where. Uh, this guy has been hitting on her the whole time. He's got this like older wife and she suddenly gets involved and kind of, she is the one who kind of taunts the girl out of jealousy. And it gets really <laughs> like, Oh wow, it's going here. And it's, you know, luckily it's not, it doesn't go so far as to make it unwatchable, but it definitely is one of those things where you're like, Oh, this is getting really perverse and weird. But, like all good, uh, the reason we have this genre is when that weird stuff happens to people, they get to strike back. And uh, basically a cloaked figure with a big fedora comes in with a like a, a hatchet and starts dispensing in really crazy, gory ways, kind of like Lady in Blood, Perfume and Lady in Blood, mm-hmm. to some of these people who are wronging the girl. And she believes it's her father coming back to help her. And uh, I won't go beyond that because there's fun twists and turns throughout, but it's, it's really stylish. Again, it has mostly it's realism. And then it has these moments where again, it's taking like, um, and this is the year after Suspiria, it's taking a few cues that do exactly that kind of lighting. So it's always interesting to see how that influenced films right around then. But, um, it's a really cool movie. It's like I said, it's pretty close to being as interesting as the perfume of lady. I think what diff- the difference is um, perfume of lady black, the lead performance is so great. Mm-hmm. It elevates the movie, I think because she's just so interesting. Um, this is much a little bit more, I think grounded, but um, he, he also wrote, um, he didn't direct it, but another great um, one of my other favorite jealous from that time uh, who saw her die, which I really mm-hmm. think is one of the best from that period. I haven't seen that one. I have it's, the it's DVD. It's really great. It's been sitting on my shelf literally for years. Yeah, no, I think it would be one of your favorites. I, I only started, I think, last year because I when I discovered him, I think it's a Lindsay one, maybe. Um, no, Aldo, Alan Lando, Lado, who did um, Night Train Murders, which I love too. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and this one, but the good news is um, I didn't get to see this yet, but the good news is this one was announced. This is what made me want to watch my f- version of it that I have, which is just okay. It's getting a Mondo Macabre Blu-ray like in the next few weeks. So Ooh. so this is a good one to announce here, let you guys know. So put the order in because it's a really atmospheric uh, horror film. Um, and I like this one quite a lot. So that's called Fear, Hotel Fear. Nice. Okay. Um, I'm going to take us, uh, let's go, let's go Bell from Hell. Oh, I've always um, wanted to see that. That's actually yeah, up and on my list. Me too. I discovered, so this had been on my list for a long time because um, I'd read about this in a couple of books, how it was like borderline a video nasty, mm. but didn't quite make the list. But it was one that was definitely kind of mentioned in the same ilk of the films at that time period. 1973. 
um, Spanish French film. And so I'd always had this on my list to watch because I heard that it was that same kind of 1970s Euro trash torture film. And so I realized um, that this is on Amazon now. It'd been one that was a little hard to find. It definitely was a pricier DVD. Yeah. And then I was going through horror on Amazon and boom, there it is hmm. for like a $1.99 rental. And so I was like, cool. okay, we're doing this. Um, this was a mixed bag for me. I have to say there is a really good movie in this movie. <laughs> um, but there was there were certain things that definitely kind of um, made that a, a bit hard to dive deeply into. The first one being the audio was so awful. Like every single, it sounded like every microphone was hot where every single person was buzzing the mics. <laughs> I've not heard much like this before. Could it and be a transfer? I, I don't think it was just the Amazon track because mm. even as I was looking at like reviews on Amazon, reviews on IMDb, other website reviews of it, like every single one talked about the shitty audio. And I will was say weird. that one time um, Haunting of Julia, which, as you know, I, I just always loved that movie. It was so hard to find. And then one day it popped up on Amazon and I was like, oh, great. And it looked HD and I pushed play. It was missing its entire like um, soundtrack. It was like it was like all the sound design was gone. It was just audio. It was just totally bizarre. And I was like, what? And so you couldn't well, watch it. Yeah, that might be the case here, I will say, because my next complaint about it beyond it just having this awful, awful garbled audio track was that it has no score. Mm. Um, and it does at times like they definitely there's kind of this motif where they have kids singing for Jaca over and over throughout uh-huh. the movie. And this kind of you can never get sick of that thing. I know, never. <laughs> <laughs> Demented kids singing yeah, for a Jaca no. as a round. We love that. Yeah. Um, but it definitely like it th- this film needed a score. Yeah. And it had none except for these few moments of like Frere Jaca being signed. Huh. And so that was kind of my biggest bump was without a score, you don't realize how boring movies seem. Like right, that score, yeah. it really kind of paints the world out and makes the movie feel full. Yeah. And especially because this was a very kind of arty Euro trash with I'll say Jess Franco pacing yeah. um, level of pacing. You know, it's a lot of people walking around a very bougie mansion looking at each other for a stretch of it. It needed score. Like I will yeah. watch stuff like that till the end of time. But yeah, it was. So those moments were my biggest hiccups. That said, this was a really cool movie with a really cool setup. It was just kind of hard to get over those speed bumps. Mm. Um, The setup for this, this guy has been in an insane asylum since he was a kid. His family is incredibly wealthy. His mother was incredibly wealthy. She went bonkers, went into an insane asylum. Something happened when he was a kid that we don't really find out what. We get flashes to it. Um, But he got put in an insane asylum. He is, uh, in the meantime, his aunt and her daughters have been kind of running his estate And he gets out from the insane asylum, goes home, and is now this strapping young lad with a motorcycle and suddenly realizes that his aunt and his sisters have really been stealing his money, like a lot of Mm. his money, and have been living this incredibly fancy life with his mom's money. And it's then called into question, like, was mom even insane? Did you just put her there so that you could steal all of her money? And discovers that his whole family is evil. And he takes a job working in a slaughterhouse because he needs to do something. And basically begins this movie with, I don't give a fuck, I do what I want attitude, where he just becomes an agent of destruction trying to completely break up the fabric of his family because he does not give a fuck about any of them. And so he basically starts seducing his sisters um, to try to take that down. He starts doing all of these like horrible prank like jokes on his aunt. He starts fucking with their lawyer. It just hmm. literally becomes this kind of eat the rich. I will take all of you guys down slowly. And then it leads up to more of kind of a torture thing where it, it, it goes back to the slaughterhouse hmm. um, for more of kind of a tortury ending when he's just truly done with everything. It's super stylish. It's super hip. It's um, got a lot of flair to it. It is true Euro trash where it is, you know, sleazy and brutal and vicious. But at the same time, it is shot just gorgeously. Hmm. Cool. Um and so, yeah, there's there's a lot to love about this. Um, there's a point where he starts playing the pipe organ and then the pipe organ becomes a, a kind of a, a motif of mm. the movie. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm getting a pipe organ. Um, so then the pipe organ kind of 
gets involved with it. So the audio just was my biggest hurdle mm. for this one. So I actually do not recommend like the $1.99 rental on Amazon Prime because oof, it was it I almost turned it off a couple of times. And it was one of those like, I'm really in, but this is just so painful to the point where you can't even understand what they're saying. Yeah. Um to parts of it that where I knew I was missing plot points. What this movie is kind of most famous for is um there's this B plot where they're they're building this bell tower in the town where um Oh that's this where the title's coming place. from. Okay. That's where the title comes from. I thought from. Bell and meant like a young girl. Bell from hell, no, like a young girl no, from hell. Okay. It does, but there's also yeah. um there's this like B plot of them building this bell tower, which then plays into the plot in particular ways. Huh. Um but what this movie is kind of most known for is that the director, while they were doing location scouts for the finale, which is where the bell tower comes in, fell to his death. Mm. And so then the last couple of days of filming were finished by somebody else. And so it's a weird ending in that capacity because some of the principal actors don't appear in it. It feels kind of tacked on. Mm. Um, and it definitely is a different direction than I think the the prior 90 minute movie is. Um, so it's, it's bizarre. And that's kind of a weird thing in itself because if a death occurs in any film, film shuts down and no one sees it for the most part. Um, occasionally, if they're really close, you might have that, like something like the crow. So it, oh, yeah, it and definitely, I think usually, I think because for insurance, I think often for insurance reasons, if you if you're past a certain point, they have to finish. I know Poltergeist three, they had to finish. It, oh yeah, um, because you know, but they they had actually pretty much shot. I think I think that they just had to go back and reshoot an ending. So so you're right. It's it's probably depends on how much is completed. You know. Yeah, this one they 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 were location scouting for those like last three days of shooting uh, when that happened. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what the film has become known mm-hmm. for. But I will say it definitely it had something there. Like it had a stylish flair to it. As far as like exploitative Euro trash goes, I, I wish the audio track was better. This probably would have been one of my faves. Yeah. That's why we watch Euro films. Cause there's always, some, even in the ones that don't all work, there's always something, there's a flourish of style or oh my perversity God. or something yeah. that you don't get in other films. There was a lot of perversity in this. Yeah. And I will say there are slaughterhouse scenes. Like you get him working in the slaughterhouse before he takes his sisters there um, or cousins. And the audio design on the slaughterhouse was ridiculous. Like considering that the movie had no soundtrack mm. for the most part and that I couldn't understand a goddamn thing most of the characters were saying for it, the entire movie. Those slaughterhouse scenes, that was ridiculous ridiculous audio mixing and Mm. ridiculous foleying. Mm. Um, So yeah, those were intense and it wasn't even what I was seeing. It was the sounds of what was happening. Um, So yeah, kind of a mixed bag audio wise. And that kind of really pointed out to me, I will watch the shittiest quality video. I don't care if it's faded. I don't care if it's red as crap. I don't care if it's glitchy, if there's scenes missing, if there's white spots all over it. I don't care if you shot it in your basement. But man, if that audio is bad, it's tough for me to get through. Yeah, I tell tell students a lot that actually your ear is continuity. (laughs) Images can almost do anything. We've we've seen proof of that from... Things like last year at Marion Bad and things where you could literally put the craziest images back to back. If the sound is consistent, there's no breakage. But but when mm-hmm. the sound is broken, it, it's a it's really dislocating. I think for us, you know, it's as people for whatever reason. That's found footage yeah. also proves that. I mean, the oh, fact yeah. that we're willing to watch some shitty images sometimes. But um, okay. Well, I will get to that one at some point. The bell. Maybe I'll wait till from hell. Yeah. Uh, all right, my last one of my hotel trilogy here. Um, this one I did because of the other two. So this this I looked for to finish the story uh, because the other two were random. Um, this one was interesting, though, because uh, there's a few other hotel ones I thought about, but this one I hadn't seen. It's called A Candle for the Devil, a.k.a. It Happened at Nightmare Inn. Um, this is Spanish horror directed by Eugenio Martin from 73, and he is most known for directing a really good movie, Horror Express, the one with um, Christopher Lee mm-hmm. Peter Cushing on the on the train, which is a really well made movie. Um, and this is an interesting one. Like this is this comes from a, a subgenre where, for some reason, at like nineteen years old, I became very obsessed by. I think it's because I saw what happened to Baby Jane for the first time and mm-hmm. uh, got obsessed by that whole subgenre, which is like aging. You know, some people would say crones, but spinsters who end up killing and covering it up. Uh, Betty, obviously, we have Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. 
and um, whatever happened to Aunt Alice are the ones that come to mind. But so it kind of uh, comes well, from I that. will say quick plug there. Yeah. If you go back to um, the prior incarnation of this show, Nightmare University, yeah. I did an entire episode with David Duvall on what we called hagsploitation. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, or, you know, the aging starlet horror. And yeah, so that's that's, what it's a really fascinating episode because I only knew of like you know, who slew Auntie Rue, Hush Hush Sweet Starlet and Baby Jane. Yeah. And it was a huge, like basically anything Shelley Winters was in right. classified. Yeah, um, and so it was a huge, huge subgenre, really fascinating one. But he gets really deep into the details and international ones as well that were following suit. Yeah. So yeah, go no, back this, and give that a listen. Yeah, this this one probably would, would fit, even though I probably don't recognize the two actresses. They probably are famous in Spain. Um, so this is two sisters are running a small hotel in Spain, it's more like what we would call, I think you call it like a pension or, or, you know, something where it's uh, a small, a small little, it's more like in their house, but it's a hotel. Um, Bed and breakfast. Yeah, but there they wouldn't call it that. I think <clears> they <throat> use a word like in Europe, like pension or something, you know what I mean? Like it's just a weird, uh, weird variation. But um, so they are super strict, especially the older sisters, super strict religious morally. And within like, I'm not even kidding. I think it's like three minutes the first murder happened like it's like the movie opens and they're just like what is what is what am i hearing upstairs and they go up to the balcony and they there's guys across the uh, across the street from their house looking and all getting horny like teenagers because there's a girl who's staying at the hotel who is topless sunbathing and she's lying on her front but they're all like getting excited and these two women come up and go i can't believe you'd bring your loose morals into my into my home and the girl's like what are you talking about i'm just visiting from london this is no big deal and she walks into the house and the older sister pushes her down the stairs she smashes into like a stained glass window like impaling herself and falling to her death and the other sister's like oh my god and she's like we have to get rid of the body and they you know chop up the body and this is like within like 3 minutes it's like this is what <laughs> the movie's going to be and and that's what it becomes it becomes every person obviously that person's sister comes looking for her um and she, her her values are a little more moralistic so the sisters don't want to kill her and then some other really crazy modern 70s girl comes to stay and it's like nope we're gonna have to off her and it's like axe to the head and put her in put her in a crazy like stew kind of thing it gets pretty it's treated very realistically like in terms of the the performances they're very uptight and the, what's cool is the younger sister even though she's going along with her sister, she actually is having this like very saucy affair with this younger man that her sister doesn't know about. So she's actually kind of full of shit. She's not following the same uh, moral line anyway, but she, she can't kind of give up on her sister because they're so, they're so just tight and connected in this lifestyle that they're now going down the road of. And so it just becomes about other characters coming in and s- slowly the sister from the first victim starts to go realize uh, maybe too late that oh this is what's been happening here and all these people are suddenly disappearing in the town uh in this motel and it's you know the both performances are good there's a couple of really gnarly kills i didn't think it's not on the level of the other two from this episode because not because it's not good it's just so predictable because in the first minute they're giving you what this movie is going to be and it never does much more but but it's got some good kills and uh a pretty i thought that finale like the last 10 minutes were really interesting so it's definitely of that subgenre um, but I hadn't even heard of this one um, when Mm-mm. I looked it up. Okay, I, I, I just looked up Hotel Horrors, and that's how I came the cover up. looks familiar. But it also looks like Mousestorm. Um, mm. It's got this kind of the look of that, but the cover does look familiar. But yeah, I've never heard of this. So it's, one. But it's very firmly in that model, obviously, because like ba- Baby Jane's two <laughs> two two sisters in a house. But in this case, they're on the same side. They're not like necessarily estranged and fighting sisters. But yeah, so a candle for the devil. Um, I liked it. I just didn't like it. The other two, I'd say I loved, and this one I liked. So. Well, my last, I have a couple that I'm going to give quick mentions to just because I watched them, but was rather underwhelmed compared to Malefique and um, A Bell from Hell. Uh, So I'll kick off my ending here with The Great Alligator. So I did the screen drafts episode where I was um, drafting alligator and crocodile movies, and I had heard of this one never seen it. You know, I didn't think it would make the list as opposed to some of the the bigger alligator and crocodile movies. But I was like, you know what? Sergio Martino makes an alligator. Oh, is this the great alligator? <clears throat> yeah, great alligator. Okay, yeah. I was, I was curious yeah, because Sergio it's really Martino bizarre that the makes- croc looks so weird. Yeah. Um, so I was like, if Sergio Martino is going to make a crocodile movie, I'm going to watch that sucker. So 1979, um, this is directed by Sergio Martino. Our setup is that a model, a photographer, and kind of their publicist wrangler 
is have gone to Africa for this kind of photo shoot. And the Wrangler is pr- played by Barbara Bach, but she's supposed to be real dowdy. Like the model is kind of bitchy, um, but she's supposed to be the sweet one, but she's real demure in this movie. And so they get to um, the, they get to Africa and they're kind of acting like douchey tourists for a mm-hmm. lack of a better way of putting it. <laughs> and they decide to do the photo shoot in the middle of the nesting ground for what the local natives consider to be a crocodile god, which is this giant fucking crocodile. Uh And they do their photo shoot in the middle of the nesting ground. They destroy the nesting ground um, and it pisses off the crocodile. And so then the crocodile starts attacking the natives. And then the natives get pissed because um, it means that, and I do, I, I, this film's like pure exploitation in that capacity. Like definitely know that going in that there is, Every the, the the locals are being exploited in the fact that they're all very much like it's basically looks like an Italian cannibal movie. Yeah, yeah. That just happens to be in Africa for this one. Yeah. So it's very much kind of, you know, not playing them well. There's some animal brutality. At least no get kids will get hurt, second. right? <laughs> um, so yeah. Um it's an alligator movie, so or yeah. crocodile movie. So yeah. a kid's gonna get yeah, hurt. I know, I know. And then there's a scene where two other tourists like decide to go have sex on an island and they get eaten. But the kind of long and short is that um, all of the local people are pissed off at the photographer and the model and everybody because they they're the ones who kind of, you know, brought this crocodile's rage to life. And it kind of culminates with them on a boat and they can't get off the boat because the crocodiles, they're ready to eat them. And then they can't go to land because all of the locals are ready to kill them. Mm. And there's our movie. Um, this one, you know, I really wanted this to be better than it was. It was, it was pretty slow. I gotta say, um, there's, there's a, you know, crazy kill scene with a kid. Um, you know, the first one, my, uh, my daughter was still up when I started this and she came down and she was like, what you watching? And I was like, I don't know, like really fake crocodile movie. And then they throw baby pigs, like actual real baby pigs in to feed to a real crocodile. Um, and it's like total, like, you know, the animal carnage that we always see in the, the other Italian yeah. cannibal films. And I was not expecting that. Like that honestly was kind of the most horrific part of the movie was that it was these like baby pigs being fed to real crocodiles, which I'm sure is a thing. And you're wondering Um, if she can see the Batman. (laughs) It was nothing like that on the Batman. So you're probably good. That's it. See, yeah. Like I think she could handle Batman that. I mean, she was just like, are those real pigs? And was just very matter of fact. And I was like, yeah, we're going to fast forward past this yeah. part because I don't want to see it. Doesn't the, um, um, what's the, like, so my memory, I only had two things I remember from that. I remember it being slow, but I remember the photographer looks so close. Like I've never seen an actor who looked closer to any, like the Zulowski, the director. <laughs> it's like a dead ringer. Like I, like every time really? I watched it, yeah, when I saw that film, I was like, that's what he looked like when he was young. It's like really weird. Um, I don't know if I've seen enough pictures of Zulowski that I would make yeah, that Yeah, no, when he's young. And, and and that guy was in a couple, Barbara Back and him are both in the one I talked about on our last episode, the Island of Fishmen. Mm-hmm. They're both in that too. So they must've made these like back to back. But I, I remember the alligator, the great alligator being super weird looking. Like I had this weird, um, like wooden, so it Quality. looks like a giant toy for the mm, most part. Yeah. There's moments where it, it does. It looks like a giant toy or like a piece of wood yeah. that's kind of like very rudimentary animatronic wood, like like more like a yeah, toy. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there are other points where it literally looks like a piece of styrofoam floating yeah. in the water. Like it's just floating there motionless and stiff. It might be wood. It could be wood. It could be styrofoam. Yeah. I don't know whatever it is. It doesn't move. It just floats um, very uniformly. Like it has no movement to it whatsoever. That killed me too. Yeah. There were moments where like you could tell they were shooting like some teeth that were kind of cool. But for the most part, my takeaway from this, um, I like the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, as far this is, this is definitely a completionist movie. This is not a, um, you know, oh my god, thrill a minute movie by any. Stretch. Yeah, but Martino for me, I love all his. I feel like he's such a good modern director, mm-hmm. like modern city director. But when he's going into the fringe stuff, like the Campbell stuff or the, uh, you know, island movies, I, I'm a little less interested. I think he's really got a a, a finger on style, like in his giallos mm-hmm. and stuff. So and yeah, this one it definitely lacked his style because the majority of the film was just outside in a jungle. Um, 
and and not yeah, you not can't control even necessarily a jungle. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it did not have Martino style to it. It was very much felt like a cannibal movie that they just happened to move to a different continent. Yeah, yeah. Um, same level of exploitation as well. And yeah, the yeah. crocodile was was not anything to like write home about. Um, yeah. So then that took me to. A Smell of Honey, A Swallow of Brine mm. from 1966, which I have to confess, I basically watched because I liked the title. Yeah. Like, A Smell yeah. of Honey, Swallow of Brine. That is a fucking great title. Like, yeah. That is just awesome. Um, this is a Something Weird title that uh, or a Something Weird uh-huh. release yeah, yeah. that I have it on a double bill. I don't even remember what the second film on the DVD is. I had bought this like probably 20 years ago Um, and, and was just like when something weird was really just releasing a new one every week, I'd picked this up and it had been sitting on my shelf and I had never watched either of the films. And I was like, okay. And it's short. It's like 45 minutes long. And I was like, I can fit this in tonight. Um, This is written by David Friedman, which should tell you immediately what you're about to (laughs) get. Um, and then it's directed by Byron Maybe, who I have to say um, also did Acid Eaters and She Freak, which I actually uh-huh. I like really yeah. enjoy. I like Acid Eaters um, and She Freak isn't bad. He also made something called Nude Django, which I was immediately like, "Well, I'm both horrified and intrigued by Nude Django. I feel compelled to seek this out." Um, but yes, yeah, so. Smell of honey, swallow of brine. Oh, yeah. Hey, before you go on, I, I just looked it up while you're talking. It actually looks like it's a David Friedman triple on that disc. It's smell of oh. honey, a swallow of brine, the brick dollhouse, and something called sweet sickness. I'm just, I've never watched either of the yeah, other two. I, I own a couple of those yeah. where it's like I've either watched one of the films, like yeah. I watched Streets of a Thousand Pleasures, but never watched the other ones. Um, and then I've got some that I never watched any of the films. I just wanted to buy them because I loved the concept of something and weird. I love, that, um, no, I love that company. I bought a yeah. bunch from them right before they stopped. Now they're doing all this stuff through Agfa, so it will be mm-hmm. easier to get. But it used to be on their website. You could get like a download or oh, um, yeah. yeah, such a cool t- company. No, and, and so many. I have to be in a mood to watch them because yeah. I know what I'm going into. I know I'm going yeah. into exactly what I'm about to talk about. But I definitely have my moments where I want something cool, retro-y, super exploitive and of its time. Um, so this one is exactly what I just described. Um, kind of hipness mildly, but really, really exploitive, um, with kind of a fun retro vibe. So 1966, a sexy office worker, um, lures men in like, like just throws herself at them. Whenever they do touch her and engage, she immediately cries rape. And then the guys get arrested. Mm. And she does it like it's it's literally like that's the plot of the movie. She does it like five times until she meets the man that, you know, she can't fight off. And then, you know, it goes from there. So I guess it's supposed to be a cautionary tale. It basically comes down to kind of like a roughie from the time period. Mm-hmm. So it's very much got like a Doris Wishman vibe. It's part of the roughie cycle where it is just like we think it's going to get sexy. Nope, nope. It's just getting rough. And then it's got this kind of down and dirty, you know, woman should be more more pious messaging behind it, which you can tell is just there to kind of give the exploitation a slightly better sheen, which it doesn't. This is why we and save so, it for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is why I don't talk about this stuff in the normal show. So yeah, this is pure exploitation. Um, this is very 1960s, which is kind of the, 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 appeal behind it i'll call and i say that kind of in quotes um it does have a really 1960s you know soundtrack to it it's super campy it's not well acted it is very much a something weird title um i love the uh tagline for this there is an expression for girls like her you see it scrawled on walls um which i mean you know then what you're gonna get this is a very floridian production um, so yeah, it's, it, I, I believe it was Florida. I got to double check that, but there was, it definitely, um, was kind of Southern homespun mm-hmm. in that capacity. So let me just say my expectations, my expectations were super low going in on this one and they were not exceeded. <laughs> they were um, met. So they were met. All right. um, so yeah, that is, um, smell of honey, swallow of brine. I am slowly trying to make my way through as many something weird titles as I can kind of just whenever I can. Um, and I always kind of go in with a slightly lower expectation. And then sometimes I'm like, Hey, that was actually kind of fun. And then other times I'm like, yep, 
this is this is exactly what something no you, you will relished in. I feel like it, it's got like a ten to one ratio. Like you'll find ten things that are, you know are watchable or interesting, but every ten you'll find something that's actually really special. And I gotta remember the title, but I've got a copy of it. We did a something weird episode for the um, Pure Cinema, and you would really like this one. It's a movie. It's basically feels like the outline from Maniac. And it was made a few years before in black and white. And it literally has so many similarities to Maniac. I remember you talking um, I about this I, I on the show. I can't remember the title. But what was interesting is I then brought it up to Lustig and he had never heard of it. But he said that Spinell had seen everything that was coming out. So it could be that Spinell saw it and copied the story mm-hmm. and then gave the story to Lustig. So so it's just interesting. It'd make a great double feature. It even has like mannequins as go like go-go dancers, a guy obsessed with, you know, it's got all yeah, I think you'd actually really like I'll I'll look it up again. It, it's it's a title like the adjuster, but it's not adjuster. I'll, I'll figure it out and we'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remind people. But um that's you know, sometimes you come across one, you're like, oh okay, cool. There's there's gems throughout. That's why we do yeah. this show for these people who are listening, because if you're listening to this, it's not just to listen to our voices. It's probably because you like finding weird, weird stuff. Weird shit. Yeah. And we will weird keep shit. that going. They can't, they can't all be gems. Um, so um. real quickly, I'll just go do our titles. Uh, I, uh, just in case you need a pen and paper or something. So I got the uh, Dead Mountaineers Hotel. I've got um, Hotel Fear. And I did my trilogy here, A Candle for the Devil. And I did Malefique from 2002, Belle from Hell, The Great Alligator, um, which is weird because it's a crocodile, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. I just caught that in the title. Um, or maybe it is The Great cro- No, now I, I got to look the great translation. Alligator. Is it The Great? I think yeah. it's The Great Alligator. But they're in Africa, so wouldn't it be crocodiles? Well, it's also made of wood, so what do you expect? Okay, yeah. So, don't don't um, go looking for answers where there are no <laughs> Italian exploitation. Mysteries abound here, <laughs> yeah. y'all. Um, so, and maybe it's just me and I don't know my, you know, geographical diversity of, uh, you know, crocodiles versus reptiles. Yeah. That's entirely yeah. possible as yeah, well. You know. And then um, rounding out the great alligator slash crocodile with a smell of honey, a swallow of brine. Yeah, good to know. That is a good title. Uh, well, thank you all for listening on this glorious Friday morning. Hope you have a great, well, it's probably, who knows what day you're all actually listening to this though, so. But it's uh, 10.30 in the morning on this bright and sunny after yeah, uh, morning weird. in LA. It's like 75 degrees What are we, outside. David Lynch on, David I Lynch know. on Twitter? <laughs> it's 83 <laughs> degrees. Uh, um, all right, have a great Friday. Uh, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. I um, I have spring break. Boo. Spring break. Just, mine's spring rapping. break forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you have to go back to school now. Uh, I got to so. go back to work, but that's okay. You I'm going to go enjoy you got my one day last left. Day. I, I got to some yeah. movie theaters and stuff that I'll talk to you on the main show, so that'll be fun. Uh, fantastic. I want to see Fresh, which I know you've already Love Fresh. seen. One, one of the best um, of the year. It's on Hulu. Yeah, I've watched a couple of the things that are running at South by that I can finally talk about on the show. So cool. I'm excited to talk about those next week. And I think we should watch Identity. I'm kind of in the mood to watch. Yeah, that I want to watch. It. I don't know and... if I'll get to it by the show, but but I I might. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm curious to rewatch. Um, but we will have a, a a fun show. We're gonna see yeah. a very uh, a film that a lot of people are gonna be excited about that's coming out next week. So we will wait mm-hmm. to talk about it there, just in case. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for your support. Have an awesome weekend. Ciao. The Colors of the Dark podcast is a Fangoria production. Producers and co-hosts are Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane. Executive producers are Tara Ainsley and Abby Gould. Associate producer is Jessica Soth of Amir. Sonic branding by Michael Rodriguez. And, of course, our amazing sound engineer, Ernie Hurtado. 